All right, welcome back to the Balls Deep Cinema Podcast. Jay Shatara here with Stephen Raju and a special guest. Uh, is it Max or Maxwell? What are we calling you today? You can just call me Max. Max, all right. Max Trink uh, is a friend of mine from college, longtime friend uh, now. And if there's a Captain Marvel and a Miss Marvel, this is Mr. Marvel. Uh, this yeah, guy yeah. loves everything Marvel. We watched Infinity War together way back in uh, 2017, 2018, whenever that came out. That was a life-changing day. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember we walked out the cinema, and we didn't talk for like 10 minutes. We were so in shock by that movie because it was just so good and such a great ending. Um, so, yeah, Max is our Marvel expert. Uh, Brandon is finally off the IR. He got his charger fixed. He'll be on the next episode. Um, but for now, uh, we're going to talk a little Marvel, some huge Marvel news. Um Fantastic Four has announced its cast. Um, a very interesting cast uh, for a lot of people. They also have gone with what seems to be a 1960s aesthetic. This seems to be uh, a movie that's going to be based in that time period. But yeah, uh, we got Pedro Pascal, Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards. Uh, we have uh, Vanessa Kirby as Invisible Woman, which I am absolutely in love with that casting. Uh, we're going to have uh, Joseph Quinn as her brother uh, jo- uh, uh, taking over the old Chris Evans role. Uh, so um, if you don't know, Joseph Quinn, obviously, of Stranger Things fame, was was maybe one of his bigger breakouts. And, of course, Evan Moss. Is is it Bacharach? Bacharach? I know uh, like Steve. Bacharach? Yeah. Bacharach? Yeah, I couldn't tell you on that. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, mo- more famously, I guess, recently in The Bear. He was also yeah. recently in Andor in a really fun role. So, yeah, this is a very – I mean, love the cast. I absolutely love the cast. Uh Seems to be a little bit of an older cast, so it makes me think that they're not going to really lean into an origin story. Um, you know, Pedro Pascal's 48, Evan Moss, 46, Vanessa Kirby, 35, and I think Joseph Quinn is the younger of them, 30. So, uh, you know, obviously a, a little bit of an older cast, but some actors who are definitely kind of in their primes right now. Uh, how about Pedro Pascal anchoring now three major sort of franchises, if you will, um, you know, between The Mandalorian, uh, between uh, The Last of Us, and now Fantastic Four. So um, this is, I don't know, just initial thoughts. We'll let, we'll let the guest of honor go first here, Max. Uh, kind of initial thoughts and reactions to this casting. I don't think Pedro was the first person that anybody would have guessed uh, would have been Mr. Fantastic. I really liked Adam Driver, and, and John Krasinski, of course, was the fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really liked it. I really like uh, the move that they made. Pedro, like like you said, he's anchored so many of these fan favorite, uh, you know, franchises that you have, like Last of Us, but mainly Star Wars. Uh, you know, Mister Fantastic is going to be such such a key role for the future of Marvel. That uh, having somebody with a very familiar face that knows how this fan base works. Uh, is going to be a very, very crucial piece to all of this. And I think that's the reason why they went with with Pedro. I really like the entire uh, casting. Vanessa Kirby is probably the best out of all these uh, people that have been casted uh, as being the Invisible Woman. Just, you know, she is the perfect spot for that role. Uh, definitely, like you mentioned, the, these people are older actors, definitely fixing the mistake of the last Fantastic Four movie with Michael B. Jordan and Miles Teller. That was, that was something. Um, not, not bad of web that. 
Not Madam Web, but it was bad. Uh, you're on, you're on mute, Jay. <laughs> I was gonna say we'll get to Madam Web later in the show. Later, um, later on. There's a lot but to talk about that one. I, I also I think the biggest part besides the announcement of the cast is that it is going to be a '60s style movie. And one little tidbit I always like to bring up because I watch new rock stars all the time, and I like going, you know, in depth with it. You could say balls deep with it, um, but. Uh, but what I really do like about this is that in uh, Doctor Strange, the latest movie, when he's talking to John Krasinski's Mr. Fantastic, he goes, oh, didn't you guys chart in the 60s? Mm-hmm. Now this movie is going to be based in the 60s. That's really cool. The little little Easter egg that I love about Marvel. And I think that, you know, it's going to be really cool to have this as a separate movie, an individual movie, uh, just like Loki connects to the MCU but it really is its own standalone project that doesn't really rely on, you know, other characters from outside from the MCU and the other heroes really having to see it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and Steve, I kind of want to get your perspective here. Are you surprised with the sort of older cast here? You know, in the past um, we've seen some different iterations now, obviously that, that horrible fantastic four from 2015 mm-hmm. that flopped was uh, maybe a little bit younger and then, you know, the OG Fantastic Four movies from like 05 and 07, you know, they kind of went middle there. Um, so I don't know. I, I, what do you kind of think is, is kind of expected for this movie? So in terms of the cast, um, I would say I, I like the cast. And I think the older cast is appropriate for Fantastic Four. Um, most iterations of the comics, we see them as a more of a seasoned family right other than johnny johnny storm um with that i would say pedro pascal as fantastic four or as fantastic four mr fantastic is it's an interesting casting let's be honest i mean i love pedro uh ozarks uh game of thrones obviously last of us he's also going to be in ridley scott's new gladiator movie so Mm. that should be interesting he's definitely got a book schedule and he's one of the most popular actors today it does feel like a very safe choice, I would say. Um, you know, Pedro, I think he's going to kill the role. Um, he's a great actor. Uh, at the same time, I felt like this was Marvel saying, hey, let's get someone that's in the fandom, right? This is this is a guy who's very popular amongst the Last of Us crowd. He's done, obviously, Wonder Woman 1984. Like, he's very much in the fandom sphere where a lot of comic book fans know who Pedro. They like Pedro, almost revere him in a sense. So, Game of I think Thrones they were going. Too. I mean, Game of Thrones, obviously. So he's got a really good stature within, you know, just call it nerd culture, right? And so <laughs> with that, I think they just went with a safer pick. I think he's going to kill it, but at the same time, I felt like this was Marvel with their mishaps in the past, saying, "Hey, like, um, maybe we should just take it easy in terms of." going outside the box let's let's play it safe the casting that i go ahead sorry the only other thing i could say about this is that really we keep on talking about this cast the biggest thing about this cast is compared to any other mcu movie this is going to really be the four of them working together because if one of them doesn't work and it doesn't really fit like a family all of them are going to be bad And this is the most important thing. It's like they are a team. They have to be a team. And if they are not as close as a family, this will fail. That is the bottom line. Yeah, and I think the original Fantastic Four movies directed by Tim Story and 
Ion Grudoff, Jessica Alba. I felt like those were inspired castings as well. Chris Evans as Human Torch, mm-hmm. Michael Chiklis as a thing. Those movies I did not really like. I think they're more almost movies that are held into wider acclaim just because they have such a uh, a good feel to them. Like a lot of people's first comic book movies were Fantastic Four and then the Rise of Silver Surfer movie, which is you know pretty bad, but I thought it was cool seeing Silver Surfer in that movie. Uh, but I do like this casting. I feel like Joseph Quinn is going to kill it as Human Torch. I really don't get the the hate on Joseph Quinn being uh, Johnny Storm. I think he's a really talented actor. He's getting booked up doing Quiet Place a day one. He's doing Gladiator two, playing mm-hmm. uh, who's he playing? In? He's playing Caracalla, so the Emperor in that movie, which is. Of course, the character that was played by Joaquin Phoenix in the original Ridley Scott Glider movie. So I trust that he's going to be a great human torch. Obviously, Evan Moss background from The Bear. This is guy's Emmy winner. You know, this guy's definitely doing great stuff. He was the in, micro and the Punisher, for those who remember the Netflix series. So it's, yep. how are they going to how are they going to time? No, it's, we, we're not worried about micro, but uh, I think the cast is, is solid. I think it's really good. Uh, Vanessa Kirby as well. As terms of what I like most about what they're going for with Matt Shackman at the helm is they're going with the 60s vibes. The I think the 60s vibe is perfect for this type of movie. You know, in the 60s, you had the the space race between countries, right? Like Russia was trying to get into space. U.S. was trying to be the first one to plant their, their flag on the moon. I think that flows so well into the story of the Fantastic Four and their origins. And so with that, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic, and um, I would just like to see how they're going to round out the villain aspects to this, because obviously a lot of people have been clamoring for Doctor Doom, especially with the troubles with the Kang character in the MCU that's now pretty much being written out uh, of, of their larger storyline. And so it doesn't seem like they're it doesn't seem like they're going all in with Doctor Doom in this movie. So I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and and one of the things about this cast is it's it's range, right? You know, I, Vanessa Kirby, um, you know, Mission Impossible. She's a great action star. Was really good, and you know, Hobbs and Shaw. She was most recently in Napoleon. Um, she was in The Crown. You know, these are people who have range. Uh, Joseph Quinn really broke onto the scene here with um, Stranger Things, playing Eddie Munson, and and did really really well in that role. Um, but, and like you said, he's getting booked up for some pretty big franchises moving forward. Uh, these are guys who, who guys and, and, and a girl here who just absolutely have crushed it in Hollywood so far. And, you know, again, in the primes of their acting career. So it's really cool to see Marvel kind of go with some people who have been established in big franchises. They can probably handle the pressure of a Marvel like film like this. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited uh, obviously, there were a lot of fan castings. Um, we even got to see John Krasinski, spoiler alert, in Doctor Strange, um, you know, as a as a fan cameo. In two was... years, if they if they if they're just realizing he was in Doctor Strange, it would come <laughs> off. <man>. Listen, <laughs> we were just kind of talking off screen how we kind of have neglected some of the Marvel projects. So you know, listen. Uh, but listen, uh, John Krasinski, you know, was a, a popular name, and everyone wanted his real life wife Emily Blunt, who was um in a quiet place with him. Uh, to be sort of his his love interest here, Invisible Woman, in this movie. Um, there were names like Paul Mescal, Adam Driver, Margot Robbie, uh, Jason Segal as The Thing. I think that would have been the most perfect casting out of all of these names we've mentioned. 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what of, of all these kind of fan casting, which is one that you wish you could have seen uh, uh, in this. For me, it's probably Jason Segal's thing, Ben Grimm. I think that would have been such a great casting. Um, we saw again, we saw Krasinski as Reed Richards. I thought he did that role for for the amount of time he was given really well in Doctor Strange. Um, and he comes to a funny demise there. So I don't know for you guys, uh, what is like one of these fan castings you wish you could have saw? For for me, you said it, Jason Siegel as uh, as the thing. I really think that that would have been so great. Uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that could have played different characters in there and, and done a really good job. But again, it's going to come down to that family aspect. Mm-hmm. But Jason Siegel as as the thing, I'm very you know, I'm very interested in seeing how this is going to be and how they're going to interact with each other. That's just the bottom line. They are called Marvel's first family because of the comics you know they are the first team if you will to come together in the marvel comics so you're absolutely right they do have to have incredible chemistry with each other well i think just to piggyback on that i mean the chemistry that could have been had with krasinski emily blunt jason Mm -hmm. siegel would have been fantastic fantastic and that's the interesting part with the new cast is how well are they going to flow off each other um i think they'll do a pretty good job i think (laughs) It's going to be funny to see Evan Moss Backrat uh, interact with Pedro Pascal. I think that should be a pretty good combo, um, along with Joseph Quinn, who we know can get zany. We know that can get mm-hmm. – um, I think he really does have that Johnny Storm personality down pat. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Krasinski really was the one where he just made so much sense. I think he's got yeah. the – I know it's kind of, I guess, cliche to say about someone who's a, a stretchy guy, but he, I think he has the body type. He's long and lanky, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've always viewed Reed Richards as kind of a long, lanky guy, taller guy, and who's better than Krasinski to kind of fit that mold. Um, are you guys out on his uh, impersonate or his portrayal of, of Reed Richards from Doctor Strange? Like, was it a yay or nay for you guys? I know it was such a short <laughs> cameo, but what, what did you guys think, Mac? What, what were your thoughts? I thought it was fine. I, I I thought he did an okay job. I he didn't get enough time to to develop anything. It, it's kind of weird. You think about it now, wanting to just wipe him out like that. But now, when you look back at it, and you look at Loki season two, and you look at Ant Man Quantumania, we we were making fun of him for turning into spaghetti. What ended up happening was he she literally erased him from time, mm-hmm. just like they did in Loki season two, and. and you know, you get the memes about him turning into spaghetti at the time because it wasn't explained. Uh, he comes in ve- very, very short, and he's going against the main hero of the movie. Uh, so it's kind of tough to, you know, create love for somebody that really doesn't have enough screen time and is doing the wrong thing in this universe and going with the pseudo villain. Because I don't really think that there's a true villain in that movie. Wanda is made out to be the villain which i hate and i don't think that they went in the right direction with that that's just a problem with marvel and explaining things and doing too much at one time um but i i could say when it comes down to john krasinski he was fine i'm I'm not gonna say that he was great i'm not gonna say he was bad just didn't have enough time yeah i I liked his performance and this actually kind of goes into the next part i really want to talk about I thought he did a good job of kind of being the leader of that council of the Illuminati. Um, you know, it, obviously we get Charles Xavier's appearance there. Um, I, I liked it. I thought he did a 
good job for the time he was given. I'm not saying he stole the show or anything, but, you know, it was a fan casting for so many years. So I know my theater kind of just kind of cheered and erupted in a little bit of laughter. And it was kind of just funny to see that kind of come into play. What I do want to talk about is Pedro being the oldest of this bunch, 48. Not not old by any stretch of the imagination, you know, but a little older for a Mr. Fantastic. Again, I think they're going to bypass the whole origin story. We've seen it enough times. And, and I, I'd be, you know, we've seen Marvel in the past bypass everyone's origin story and just say, screw it. You know, you're on screen. You're part of the cinematic universe now. Do you think Marvel has been sort of looking for its father figure since Iron Man was sort of, you know, taken out of this universe? Um, you know, it could have easily been passed to Chris Evans, but then he's taken out of the universe. So is Pedro kind of going to fill that void? Do we think this movie ends with him linking up with Spider-Man, maybe Tom Holland, Spider-Man and saying, Hey, here's a new suit. Cause I'm, I'm the, cause you know, the whole thing with uh, Mr. Fantastic is he's the smartest scientist in the universe. So, you know, even smarter than Tony Stark when it comes to tech and things like that. So, you know, is this going to be sort of the father figure? Is he going to be our, we always talk about who's the next big bad after Thanos, but we haven't really talked about who's the next big good, if you will, um, <laughs> uh, after Iron Man died. So I don't know. Is is this the direction they sort of want to grow? And I'm kind of here for it. I think he'd be a really good addition to be that sort of new leader of the Avengers moving forward, depending on the storyline they go with. Again, if this is truly taking place in the 60s, you know, uh, uh, Steve, what do you sort of think about that? Look, I mean, I think that they've been dying to replace Robert Downey Jr., like dying to the point where they're drowning in, in their content because they don't have that figure to bring it all together, right? I think a lot of reason why the, you know, Avengers movies and, you know, Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, why they did so well was a lot of people went to the theater because they love seeing Robert Downey Jr. do his thing on screen. And I definitely think that Pedro Pascal is someone who can uh, command that type of charisma and interest, not to the level of RDJ, because RDJ is RDJ. But I think Pedro is the type of guy where I think he can be the guy who can hold it together and and be that figure of intelligence, um, sternness. But I'll give them credit for casting him because he's got a ton of charisma. Like, he's not stale. I think as far as, like, you know, Adam Driver... Krasinski and I remember Penn Badgley from you was also rumored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Pedro's got the one where got the, has the most charisma and, and comedic elements to him where I really could see him owning the role and, and doing something more unique with what you typically would think Reed Richards would be. Um, I think Ion Grota's performance was very much straight line. He had his comedy moments too. I think he was very much a very basic portrayal of Reed Richards, a very good one. No doubt, but I think with Pedro, they casted him because they viewed him as someone who could be the overarching figure of the whole MCU cinematic universe that's undoubtedly going to revolve around the Fantastic Four. So, oh, when, it, when it comes down to my opinion on it, like, like Steve was saying, uh, I mean, Reed Richards is not necessarily a Tony Stark. He, he is a very stern character in the comics. He is not really a lot of fun. He is the one that brings the group back together and back to reality. So it's going to be very interesting in seeing Pedro Pascal, a guy who makes me laugh at every single press interview he does, 
be that factor and be that guy when it comes down to the rest of the cast i think that they're gonna bring out that energy and that fun as well and he can add to it for sure and he can be witty and smart and that's gonna be the way that he's gonna bring you know bring his energy uh and that's exactly what he needs to do i don't think he's gonna be iron man i don't think they want him to be iron man in this case i think that they were really trying to make dr strange kind of iron man for a little bit because it's probably the only other character that really can be witty like iron man and smart in the way that it's possible and he can break the rules and be cool with it and multiverse of madness really didn't pan out but i did like dr strange more as a character by the end of it uh, i will say that much that is the only positive I could say about that movie. Um, one of the only positives I can say about that movie. But um, <laughs> the only other thing I can mention about the Fantastic Four and where it's going and how it's setting up is that this movie is based in the 60s. And there's only one other, there's two places in the MCU where time doesn't matter that would allow the, the Fantastic Four to be in the universe with the other characters that are currently in 2024 <laughs> and, and that is the tva which clearly this is not going to take them to the tva or the void which is going to end up being battle world and i think that deadpool wolverine will set a battle world and by the end of it we'll see a post-credit scene where the fantastic four will meet up with deadpool wolverine and a bunch of other people in battle world yeah Can I just and, ask this real quick though what yeah, is the difference it. between uh, I'm not the. I gotta refresh my comic book memory, but like between Secret Wars and Battle War, is that Battle World? Is that the same? So um, Secret, guess, story. Secret Wars takes place on Battle World. Battle okay. World is where every single superhero, supervillain that teams up to defend their universes duke it out. That's yeah. where the Kang variants duke it out. It is the void right now in the TVA, according to Loki season one and two. But I would not be surprised if it they end up dubbing it Battle World and having that be the place where every universe fights it out in Secret Wars. Yeah, and it, and it's sort of hard to ask you guys where do we go from here without seeing Deadpool. I think Deadpool's about to reset a bunch of things. Um, I think it's how we're going to get X Men in the universe. Um, because you know a lot of people's questions on Twitter, for instance, when this dropped, was well, if this takes place in the '60s again, where have they been? You know, we just fought Thanos and the blip. Does that happen if Fantastic Four is not twiddling their thumbs? And you just made up a great point, Max. Maybe maybe they were in Battle World, world and they're going to be kind of brought into the main timeline here after all the Thanos stuff happened. So absolutely, um, you know, Deadpool's going to have to answer, I think, a lot of questions when it comes to timing and time in general. Um, because, you know, if this takes place in the 60s, a lot of people are going to be asking, where were they during all these Avengers-level threats? That being said, you know, if you if you watch some of the breakdowns of trailers like Deadpool – you know, we saw a Chitari skeleton in in bat in, in the void. Uh, we saw a lot of things that reference the old Avengers. Um, you know, 2012's Avengers, 2015's Age of Ultron, things like that. So there's going to be a lot of questions to answer. But I like that we're kind of getting back to that one movie a year mold, so we mm -hmm. can answer some of these questions and we don't have to watch TV shows um, and things like that. Real quick, I want to go you know around to you guys. Um, you know, this is obviously a July 2025 release date, a year, literally a year after Deadpool. I presume these are going to be the only two movies we get for the next couple of years, and I'm very okay with that. Um, you know, and I'm very happy we're kind of getting it a little sooner because we've been talking about Fantastic Four 
for a while now. It was announced back in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, that this was going to be a movie, maybe even 2019. Um, so, you know, uh, we've had a lot of time to think about it. Uh, do you guys have your ideal Fantastic Four? Uh, what is your ideal cast for this? And it could be some of the people already this. It can be some of the old fan castings. Um, me personally, one of the original storylines that was talked about before the Jonathan Major stuff happened, or that was rumored at least, was um, Reed Richards and Invisible Woman talking about if they should have a kid or not because they know their, uh, you know, their descendant is eventually going to become Kang and start the multiversal war. That's a storyline I thought would have been really interesting between John Krasinski and Emily Blunt as real life marriage partners. You know, they could have had a lot of chemistry there. For me, the the biggest miss here is, again, Ben Grimm, Jason Segal. I thought that would have been perfect. Uh, but I don't know. Is there anything here that you guys really love that would have you know made it an absolute perfect four for you? Yeah, I think for me, I would have loved to see uh, Cillian Murphy as Mr. Fantastic. Ooh. I think that would have been – I think he would have been awesome. I think he would have been a true to form uh, Mr. Fantastic. Like, maybe – to a T in terms of the way he can portray um, high intelligence with high arrogance. I mm -hmm. think he would have been perfect. Um, Jody Comer was someone who was rumored for uh, uh, Mrs. Fantastic. I'm sorry, Sue Storm, Invisible Woman. Uh, she was in Ridley Scott's movie, The Last Duel, if you remember that. Yeah. Um, and I think she would have been a really good choice. Uh, I mean, her and Vanessa Kirby, it's almost like splitting hairs, but I personally like Jodie Comer, so I thought that would have been cool. In terms of Human Torch, I always thought that uh, that one dude, uh, Taron Egerton from Kingsman, <laughs> I thought he would be a pretty solid choice. That's a good and, casting. Yeah, I like that. And other than Jason Segel, I think Evan Moss' background is a great choice. I, mm -hmm. I think he's fantastic in The Bear. Um, he's got the kind of the Jewish – I don't know if he's Jewish or not, but I think he could play the New York <laughs> – uh, the New York born and raised Ben Grimm, uh, to a T, right? Probably more so than Jason Siegel, who's just, you know, sometimes you're just you look at Jason Siegel as like this is the dude from, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. The Muppet movie. The Muppet <laughs> movie. Great actor, but um, that's that would be my ideal cast, I think. Uh, for uh, for me, I think that would something that would be really cool. And, and we talked about the cast a little bit. My thing would be villain. Keep on talking about Galactus. I think it's too early to bring in Galactus. He's more of an Avengers level threat. And if they bring him into this, I'm very scared that they're going to do what they did in Quantumania, bring in Kang and kind of bomb. And that's really what I do not want to happen when it comes to the MCU for the future. Bring in Killian Murphy. You talk about him, Stephen, not as uh, Mr. Fantastic. Bring him in as Dr. Doom. Yeah. And how he could, he could fantastic do he would be mm -hmm. as Dr. Doom. Oppenheimer turned to Dr. Doom. Trying but next, to... let, me, let me ask you on this take, though. I feel like if you introduce Galactus and Silver Surfer, like, it's giving the fantastic first Fantastic Four movie and the movie that, quite honestly, could re recharge the MCU the stakes it really deserves, right? We're not playing with small fish, you know, with the Fantastic Four movie. And I think Marvel is telling themselves, yo, we need to get back to Avenger Avenger level movies. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you want to see a Galactus and Silver Surfer there to help, you know, obviously raise the stakes to what has been really small and kind of subdued movies like, you know, Ant-Man and, and the Marvels? I, I do agree. 
I, I think they could go either way. Just if they're going to do Galactus, they got to do it right. They can't have them be a tough character to do, honestly. The, the yes. dust cloud from the 2007. <laughs> no, no clouds. Four. No clouds. Uh, they, they have to. And, and Marvel fails consistently at keeping villains alive mm-hmm. that are good, that deserve development. They, they a, have done it with Killmonger. Yeah. They should have kept Killmonger alive. Honestly, Red Skull. Another one that they should have just kept alive instead of going up into a cloud and then being like, hey, I'm here in uh, the Soul Stone War and Endgame. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I feel like they do such a bad job at keeping the right villains alive that Galactus would not be that. If you would want somebody that could really fit well into this mold, it's Doctor Doom because Doctor Doom could easily be a Doctor Doom from a different universe trying to pick and choose which Avengers he wants for his future universe. I, I think that would be a really cool take. And Galactus, I could totally see Marvel right now being like, oh, we want to fix the Eternals, so we're going to make him a Celestial, and which could be great, but it could also be like, wow, you're really forcing this down. That would be a cop-out. That would be a cop-out. If they made him a Celestial, I'd be like, fuck are we doing here? Why, why, and he, and why is Javier, the Celestial Javier, in the middle of the Earth still? And you're getting Javier Bardem to play a Celestial? Huh? <laughs> I, know, I know. I did see that. I, I, I don't know what they would do as a Galactus. Well, you know, I, I wonder, right? So, Doctor Doom historically is one of the most powerful Marvel villains there is, even more powerful than Thanos, right? So, is he someone you want to see off the rip? Is it Galactus, a guy who can literally eat planets, right? And Silver Surfer is the one that typically warns planets, "Hey, Galactus is coming." What I'm really curious about is, you know, for instance. 2012 Avengers movie sets up Loki as an Avengers level threat. He's bringing the Chitari, but really he's a pawn, right? He's working for the bigger, bigger bad of Thanos. And they set up Thanos over several movies. Again, in Guardians of the Galaxy, Ronin is set up as this Avengers or team level threat, if you will. The Guardians have to team up. But, but again, there's an even bigger threat. It's Thanos. Do we see a sort of maybe Galactus or Doctor Doom, but or, or maybe even a Kang if they decide to recast Kang? But maybe he's working for a Doctor Doom or a Galactus, right? Um, well, you know what they maybe- would do then. What they would do then in this case, if you were to go with Galactus and have that be have Silver Surfer be the main villain and have Silver Surfer be the guy working for Galactus instead of right. Galactus as a post credit. So, That's the know, way that they would do it. Right. So maybe maybe Marvel needs to get back to its roots here. Instead of throwing the main villain or the big new big bad right into our into our laps right away, maybe they, they set it up a little. You know, we have one movie a year now or maybe a couple movies a year now. Oh, wait a sec. Oh, wait a sec, Jay. The last villains in these Marvel movies have been terrible. They the, have. Marvels, no, no, absolutely. the Marvels the Marvel's villain was extremely forgettable. Um, you know, obviously Jonathan Majors did a, a, a really good job as Kang. He but did absolutely. He was so small fish in that Ant Man movie. It was like, you know, what's the point of this? And obviously with Doctor Strange, you didn't really have a villain. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wanda, I guess. And then the last good one was Christian Bale. But you know, there's been a lot of Guardians three though too early. And... Guardians three. Who was the villain in that? What was his name? He was really good. He was. Oh really... yes, uh, he was. He was played. What was his name? The creator. Yeah, the creator. He uh, or that, that's the name of a movie, actually. Uh, but was, was that was that his villain name? But he was really good too. He was really good. Yeah, he was the high high evolutionary. High evolution. Um, yes, he was fantastic. But I just feel like we haven't had a villain that breeded stakes in the MCU. Like Loki, he was a villain that was able to really wave his way through so many movies, and 
every time he was in a movie, it meant something that was going to happen within the universe. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think with Fantastic Four, like, why play it small? Like, we're just going to get the Silver Surfer. And what does the Silver Surfer really mean in the grand scheme of things? That's, it's kind of my opinion. We could probably debate it, you know, in a little bit, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, I feel like if you come out the gate with Galactus and Silver Surfer and it's a strong movie, then I think we're back to MCU making hits. Yeah, and, and and again, the, the overarching thing here is we're setting up two Avengers movies in the next few years. Um, I think 2027 and 2028, uh, now untitled because it was called King Dynasty, and it sounds like we're not going to move forward with that storyline. And then, um, of course, Secret Wars. Secret Wars is going to be an insane thing. I cannot wait for Secret Wars. So if you want to set that up, I think you start with Deadpool here. So maybe you don't need a big bad, but in Secret Wars... In the iteration, if you notice, there was a comic book, a Secret Wars comic book in the Deadpool trailer that had Doctor Doom on the cover. So, and Doctor Doom in, in, in some Secret Wars and in, maybe in this iteration is the one who oversees Battleworld and gets all these, you know, heroes and villains together to fight each other. So, maybe we're going to set up Doctor Doom and maybe he's not the main villain of this movie, but he's someone that'll come back. Uh, so, I'm really excited to see where they're going to go with this. Um, we're going to take a quick break. After the break, we do have some exciting stuff to talk about. X-Men 97, um, right after Marvel announced the cast, the very next day they dropped the trailer for that new TV show. Really exciting and, um, you know, what it means for the future of the X-Men maybe. And we're going to talk about some other things and maybe even get into the Sony-verse. I know everyone wants to talk about the next big thing, Adam Webb, or Madam Webb. I almost said Adam Webb. Adam Webb. Scott is in the movie. <laughs> Madam Webb, uh, the press tour is stuff of legends. I cannot wait to talk about the future of the Sony-verse. And gosh, the, what, what a mess that is. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, Balls Deep Cinema Podcast. If for some odd reason you're starting this at part two, uh, we have Maxwell Trink with us, special guest, our Marvel uh, connoisseur, if you will, already displaying his knowledge in part one, so make sure you listen to that. Um, so yeah, uh, Marvel said, uh, you know, we're tired of getting upstaged by DC and James Gunn. Um, so not only are we going to release Fantastic Four as the same weekend as Superman Legacy, the very next day, we are going to release our trailer to X-Men 97. Now, this was a project that was announced, I think, in a D23 forever ago, it seems like. Um, you know, X-Men 97 was a show, a cartoon about the X-Men, obviously. Um, it obviously featured some iconic characters, Scott Summers, uh, Cyclops, Jean Grey, um, you know, the, the Phoenix, uh, the Dark Phoenix, uh, not related to those horrible movies that came out a few years ago. Um, you know, we obviously Professor X, uh, and Magneto and, you know, some more fan favorites, Gambit, Rogue, who, uh, you know, a lot of people want to return in live action. So, you know, uh, this is a project that's going to kind of be a conclusion to the original X-Men 97. Um, if spoiler alert, if you don't know how that ends, Professor X dies, kind of leaving the X-Men entrusted to Cyclops and the rest of the gang. So, yeah, um. You know, this was a fun trailer. I'm excited for it. Fun fact, when I first got Disney+, Plus, which was the day of launch, the first thing I watched was X-Men 97. So um, I never ended up finishing it, uh, but I am glad that they're kind of kind of bringing a conclusion to it. Uh, initial thoughts, guys. I love the animation style. Um, I like that they're keeping the old 90s look, but kind of upgrading it to some newer graphics. Uh, what do you guys think? 
Yeah, no, I think it's the right move for uh, Disney and Marvel to start going back to some shows that we'll actually be interested in <laughs> with characters <laughs> that we're interested in, right? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, Miss Marvel or Echo, I mean, even to some degree, you know, some of the Hawkeye, Falcon, Winter Soldier stuff, we like the characters, but in terms of how interested we are into them, uh Ooh, Max got a little upset that you just lumped. No, no, the Hawkeye show is fantastic. I'm sorry. The Hawkeye show is really, really good. And it's a great Christmas that? show. That's the oh. only thing I will say. I I do think that we need less shows and we need more like uh, you know, a werewolf by night stuff, uh, the Guardians holiday special. That was a lot better, and that's a better route of going about it. But Hawkeye show actually was really good. He's an Avenger, he's the only Avenger now to not have a movie himself i am fine with standalone you want a standalone hawkeye movie oh no 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 no. the tv show worked perfectly with that the tv show did exactly what what (laughs) what we wanted it did a good job agree to disagree i'm i'm not the biggest fan of that show i mean look i love jeremy renner i love him but i mean at this point it feels like he's kind of cashed out and a little checked out of acting <laughs> you know not just no i i totally i do agree with that i i do but i really thought that the hawkeye show what had big reveals it was really good it had a lot of fun and kate bishop and hawkeye just you know that that chemistry they had was fantastic mm-hmm. Haley steinfeld is a very good kate bishop i'll say that mm-hmm. but in a larger point i would say just getting back to content for you know obviously the fan favorites i think x-men obviously is a fan favorite uh, I'm excited to see Cyclops back, Jean Grey. Um, you know, even if it isn't in a cartoon format, uh, I think it's really important to get off to the right foot with using X-Men IP. And so with that in mind, I think this show should be a great step for them. And, um, you know, whether it's going to be connected to the MCU lore, you know, it could be, could not be. I think at, at this rate with the multiverse saga, anything's fair game. So um excited about it. I think it's going to be uh, quality television, hopefully. <laughs> I, I do want to say this. I hope Disney's sort of learning from its, um, maybe a little bit of a mistake here. Um, you know, there was a big contentious point in Star Wars, right? That uh, they weren't really respecting animation as a medium. We were seeing rumors during Ahsoka and even Andor, maybe that like they would be recreating iconic animated scenes from Rebels, for instance, and making it live action and i think marvel is a good example maybe getting off on the right foot like you said animation is a medium that should absolutely be respected um as canon and not everything has to be live action this is something that can exist in the mcu if they choose to go that route and if they don't go that route i'm okay with that too but this could be something that they choose to exist in the mcu without having to really make it live action it doesn't need to be a super important storyline but there could be some really big world building in this we see the daily bugle flying around which we know is obviously the paper that peter parker and spider-man works for um this obviously takes place in new york because you know the x-men academy has always been in upstate new york um you know this is something that could really be good for world building for the world of x-men uh we're seeing wolverine in his iconic suit could that relate to hugh jackman and deadpool we don't know, you know. This is something that could be really way to reintroduce some of those older X-Men characters. Do we get a James Marsden reappearance in Deadpool? Because that's something Deadpool would definitely do is bring back that original X-Men cast. So, I don't know, Max. 
I personally love animation, and I kind of hope they respect that as a medium in the MCU. Besides the Hawkeye comment that Steven had, I agreed with every single thing, but specifically about the X-Men, every single thing that Steven said was was perfect. I couldn't say it any better. When it comes down to the animation and the future of the MCU and how it's going to impact the MCU, uh, when it comes down to that specifically, I really like to take into account D23 when they announced that they were going to be making an Avengers multiverse ride. And I know that this is very like different route to go in talking about the MCU through a ride announcement that's going California because Florida doesn't have the rights to it. But it was very interesting to see the concept art for it because the animated characters from the What If series were in the concept art drawn as animated characters Hmm. with characters that were live action. So if they're going to go based off that with the ride, that might mean that the animated characters from the MCU are going to end up being in Secret Wars or they're going to be physically animated. And it could be something like that rather than a live action aspect of it, which I could see. I think it's cool. I think that Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness kind of tease that as well with them going into different universes that were animated. We'll see. But I think the X-Men universe, and especially that show, will not only tease what... It was called Spider-Man Freshman Year. I think they called it, They changed the name to it. Yeah. The new it, show. I don't yeah, remember what it's called. Yeah, it's a new origin show, too. Yeah, but it was supposed to be Freshman Year, and they did change it. They changed the name of that, and Daredevil's going to be in it, which is going to be very interesting. It's going to not be the version of Daredevil that we're going to see in the MCU because he's got, got the black suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is Charlie Cox, though, which is great. Um, and I do think that shows like like Daredevil are important and will definitely help out the MCU and people are interested in them. Uh, but I think animation will be huge. And mm-hmm. what if shows have been good? They haven't been fantastic. There have been episodes that have been fantastic. I'm not, you know, going out of my way to watch What If compared to other Marvel projects, but I think it's been good. And I think it's a better introduction. I would say we've already seen What If kind of play a part with uh, Captain Britain. You know, Mm -hmm. we saw Haley Atwell return for that role in the animation part. And then, of course, come back for Doctor Strange now that we know her origin as Captain Britain, right, in the What If show. Um, The Watcher, who is a character in a Stan Lee cameo. You know, ends up being the narrator of that show. Uh, I think, uh, you know, again, there's a lesson to take from Star Wars here. Rebels makes the original trilogy have context, right? Like one of the big questions we always have is when you introduce a character like Ahsoka, where is she during the original trilogy? Because that was obviously made in the 70s and 80s. Um, Rebels kind of explains that, right? Uh, You know, the Clone Wars actually adds so much context to the prequels and makes the prequels that much better is this something we could see with Marvel? Maybe X-Men 97 kind of introduces where have the X-Men been this whole time? Um, it, I do find it interesting that it is premiering before Deadpool. Uh, it is set to premiere on March 20th when it starts streaming. Um, I don't know the schedule, but we've seen Star Wars do this where some of their shows end before a big movie drops or something like that. Um, some of, you know, they did it with Rebels most famously. Uh, could this be Marvel's way of saying, hey, X-Men, it's going to kind of come right before Deadpool. So uh, I, I don't know what you guys sort of think about that, but I think this is really interesting timing that we're going to get it streaming. I assume because it's animated, we're going to get a lot of episodes with it. It could end right before Deadpool. Yeah, and I just think that uh, 
you know, you, maybe I'm putting my hater cap on for a sec, but I did not think What If was a great endeavor for Marvel and MCU into animation, purely based on the animation. Like, I did not think it was the most technically sound or with the budget that you get from Disney and the MCU, you would think that we were going to get some crazy animation. I felt like the animation of that show was almost like kind of lifeless models of the character. I did not see a lot of ex expression from the faces. Um, you know, I know that's, I guess, tough for to express that within an animated setting. But when you look at shows within like Netflix anime, for example, um, and I know it's tough to compare anime with American animation, but nonetheless, you see so much greater endeavors with um, Netflix anime or, uh, you know, Japanese anime where you tell the animation is A1. But I felt like what if it was just kind of janky, the animation? I think what's nice to see with this X-Men 97 trailer is we're getting back to kind of that classic 90s animation. It's very much um, playing off that and it, it looks good. So that's some, one thing I'm excited about. I really think that the animation part of um, the MCU is it's something they haven't really unlocked the potential of yet. And I think there's still time to do that. I guess it's tough too, because at the same time, are people really demanding, you know, high quality animation from the MCU? I'm not sure if it's really a demand. What are your guys' thoughts? I, I feel like it's more of a luxury at this point. I think people are more so demanding some um, back to the, the, the heights of what it used to be in terms of let's, let's have some banger movies. So. No, I, I totally agree. I, I don't think that that what if was anything, you know, legendary when it comes down to the animation style. I do think that they went with the route of Rebels. Like literally they they saw what was successful with the fan base of Star Wars and said, hey, we're going to keep it bare bones. But as long as we have the good content there, we don't care. <laughs> you know, and I will say the animation style has gotten significantly better. Like if you watch the original Clone War show, to mm -hmm. where it finished it's insane so what if is a big plot point and it's a big way of of showing hey we're gonna see if this works if it's great then maybe we'll continue to make it better and better season two really didn't have that much of a difference in the show but what i can say is when it comes down to x-men uh that's way more important than any of the other shows because people already fell in love with the fan. You know, they already has a fan base for the X-Men show. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be up to that standard, at least. So it's got to be up to that standard or better. And it's better. I can tell you that much. They keep it the same style. And you can tell that it's very similar in, in, in its storytelling to the original show already. But the animation is, you know, modern. At the same time, you feel like it's a throwback as well. I really don't want to harp on the negative because I am really excited for this show. But does this go back to an overarching problem of Marvel and really Hollywood in general, right? We're running out of ideas. Like they're trying to reboot this to maybe recapture some of that magic, some of that nostalgia. Um, Hollywood in general is really trying to prey on our nostalgia as fans, especially when it comes to some of these bigger franchises like Marvel, like Star Wars. Um, do you see a potential issue with that? Or do you think this will just kind of be its own standalone thing? We can enjoy it as fans. Cause me personally, again, I, one of the first things I watched on Disney plus was X-Men 97. So I, I am excited to watch this and maybe I don't need to watch it with the lens of the MCU. Maybe I can just watch it as maybe as a kid, right? X-Men 97 and 
do you think that's maybe the approach to take here? Well, my problem is with the MCU is that they've had chances to really get creative through the lens of animation. You could do whatever you want in mm-hmm. animation. Um, and you had a TV show called What If? So you could literally do anything. And I felt like instead of doing whatever they want, they wanted to focus multiple episodes on Captain Carter. Okay, great. We like Captain Carter, but we need to see her in four or five episodes of What If? Why can't we... Like, where are the... Where are it seems like they were bounded uh by shackles with the what if series. Like we could have gotten, in my opinion, some more provocative and bigger stories within what if, because you have no limits. You we could have saw maybe um I don't know, like and a what if story where it's even crazier with Iron Man and an Avengers level event, but they choose to, you know, they focus on like, you know, Kihori, the Native American character, which I think was cool. Um, in some of the episodes that I saw of What If, but it never felt like they really let the shackles off in a show where you could literally do whatever you want and not have any, you could literally chalk it up to this is a different multiverse or this, mm-hmm. or you could say, hey, well, this What If, nothing really matters in What If to the grander scheme of the MCU timeline. Um, with that being said, with X-Men 97, you know, it's a chance to get back to, I guess, you have two choices you can go. You can get back to singular storytelling or you could link this to the MCU and do it a smart way. For me, it doesn't really matter because I think the first thing you got to do is make sure it's a good show. And mm-hmm. then we can figure out if you want to link it or not. So I, I will say with what if it seems like they were trying too hard to make their real consequence. Right. Um, I like the one thing I like they did with what if is every episode does lead to a ultimate end goal and it's connected. Um, ultimately uh, Supreme vision or whatever his official name is the one with all the infinity stones has to fight the doctor strange from like one of the earlier episodes that ended up breaking the multiverse and created an incursion um i kind of like that they did that and they both get stuck in an endless loop and um i would almost bet like my life savings that we're gonna see that version of um ultron supreme ultron or supreme vision whatever his name is in like a secret wars type story it's almost like they tried to make that too canonical where you're right, Steve, they could have really just ran wild with it and said, Hey, there's no consequence. Cause this is a multiverse. We'll never see, um, yeah. you know, as opposed to this, it feels like they could really reset the sort of X-Men in the MCU with this. It can really play a part in getting Wolverine to the main story and stuff like that. So I don't know, Max, what do you think? I think pretty much this is just, Hey, we're going to introduce the X-Men to a younger audience that doesn't really know them that well um and a lot of the people there were let's just say for me for example the x-men when when i started watching the avengers movies like iron man Thor, captain america whatnot i was kind of young for when it was you know i'm 24 now at the time when when the avengers came out you know i was like what 12 something around there Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was young and some of those movies were, you know, PG 13 at the time when they came out, it was probably about six, seven, eight years old. So I wasn't necessarily going to those theaters and, and watching those movies. Now I can. And I think that they relied heavily, at least for this upcoming Deadpool Wolverine movie on people wanting to go back and watch those movies. Yeah. Um, the, the main movie I, I remember, and this was like literally the first movie I saw in theaters that was superhero was Ghost Rider, which I absolutely still have. <laughs> Nick Cage, baby. Yes, Nick, Nick Cage. I, I like it, it's one of those movies like Fantastic Four, which I also saw in theaters, where 
I will just go back and have nostalgia for it, even though it was not really that good of a movie. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, I think it's really just introduced. Hey, this is what Ma- this is Magneto. He's like a bad guy, but he's you know he's not. You know, uh, he here's you know the X Men. Here's who's going to be in play for the MCU coming soon. Uh, I think it's a great way of introducing that to an audience that doesn't necessarily know the X Men like they do. A Captain America. Who doesn't know Captain America? You know who does? Who doesn't know Thor? Like those are easy characters to to develop. Um, I, and, I wonder. And, I wonder how they will approach characters like Magneto for the modern MCU. Like, because obviously his story is very linked to, you know, the Holocaust. For example, Holocaust, yeah. it's like, I wonder how that's going to play because we're getting so farther away from, you know, what professor x grew up in and mm-hmm. magneto grew up in you know according to the comics and um yeah i wonder what they'll do with that you know it's, it's always a touchy subject too to, to touch upon it but um but it's also a huge part of his origin like if there's one huge. character who has to like stick to his origin it's magneto it's the holocaust <laughs> is his origin and, and it's it's insane because it's it's the awakening of his metal bending powers right so mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought they actually nailed it with Michael Fassbender in showing that origin. Yeah. Uh, and, and then again, Ian McClellan. So that's another thing. We have the X-Men timeline is all over the place. Yes. Uh, it is one of the most convoluted. Uh, and they have some really good movies. I personally, for nostalgia reasons, love the first X-Men movie. But like it's a different saber tooth than Lee Schreiber in the Wolverine origin movies. Um, We have like now McAvoy who loses his ability to walk because he was hit by a stray bullet from Magneto. First class, baby. Yeah, and I love the first class saga. I love those. Um, I really love Days of Future Past. If you haven't watched that recently, I rewatched it, I think, last summer. And I was like, whoa, this is a damn good movie. Um, You know, it really explores. But it's a different origin for... Dark Phoenix? Let's not get into that. We're not going (laughs) to talk about that. Hey, in all seriousness, though, y'all, I, I've not really watched the X-Men movies. So as, as somebody that really didn't watch them growing up and that hasn't really watched them, what are the movies that I should watch before Deadpool Wolverine? What what would those be for me? I'm going to name some off and then, Jay, you name some off. And then we'd love to hear your take on Deadpool uh, and the Wolverine trailer, Max, because we talked about it on the last episode. But um, look. The X-Men series is so complicated it because it's got some really strong highs, but some really baffling lows, like baffling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was like so-so on the first X-Men movie. Um, I think X2 is a great movie. I think really it's good. I love widely, X2. Right, widely regarded as probably the best X-Men film. Uh, depends who you ask. Days of Future Past. Absolutely. Uh, kind of their Avengers level movie, if we're being honest, for the mm-hmm. Fox X-Men series. Um, and it kind personal- of... My personal say, favorite. Go ahead, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, Days of Future Past kind of resets everything, which is hilarious because, listen, you might have to watch X three based on the principle of Deadpool. I've already seen some Easter eggs to, like, for instance, the broken Golden Gate Bridge is in the void. Like, I think you're gonna have to watch X three to know how it ends. But then, like, yeah. Days of Future Past resets that, um, and then they get into like the X Men origin movies. I will say, Logan is a must watch. I, I watched Logan. Logan was fantastic. Yeah. I think my favorite is First Class out of that whole box. Mm-hmm. I think First Class, McAvoy, Fassbender, they were just cooking. They're just cooking on screen. Yeah, um, they do. I would recommend First Class for those who want to get in the X Men because I don't really think, I mean, Logan obviously as well, but 
in terms of a true X-Men team-up film, I don't think it gets much better than that. Um, yeah, Jay, your thoughts? I think we're going to have to start considering Logan its own standalone thing. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I put Logan on the pedestal of the Dark Knight. I love it that much. I think it's that good. No um, way. I, yes, absolutely. And I will, I will die crazy. on this hill. It, it's the not Dark the Dark Knight. It, it, it's the Dark Knight. That's crazy, I, I will, Jay. I will say the Dark Knight is the arguably the greatest superhero movie of all time not even arguably okay. it is it is it is but how could you put logan with it no well it's logan is tier. like three it's on the same tier. it could be top three i i'd put it in top three i'm putting it top three with into the spider-verse first off the top three is easily the dark knight mm-hmm. spider-man 2 yep and logan. i gotta think about this logan. winter soldier, logan. Winter soldier logan. could easily be it i would say i would argue Either the first Avengers or Avengers Infinity War. No, now we're playing too much. See, what? I also it's very different an Avengers movie than uh, individual superhero movie, and I think that Avengers movies should be out the window when it comes down to this conversation of superhero movies. I, I think that it, we out should the be window. What do you mean? Like, ooh, so, so you don't think they should be considered as part of the the goat movie? No, conversation. No, like they're going to be good movies because all the actors and everybody's in it, and this ooh. is what all the buildup is too. The Avengers literally set a movement. It was whoever saw anything. Uh, I, we gotta get. We gotta hit this. The Avengers, the first Avengers movie, literally changed cinema history. If you yes. think about it, it was it changed cinema history. That was the impact it had. Nobody really saw a team up movie to that level. Even with the X Men having three movies before this, <laughs> where Josh Whedon came to this came the great job. No, not the great Josh Whedon. No, but when he came, say don't you dare. <laughs> when he came and assembled this movie, no pun intended. It was a honestly life changing event for cinema, and the impact of it alone. Logan, Logan doesn't have that impact. It just um, Logan, I think, absolutely nails the dark tone. It it like just changes, in my opinion. It changes what Marvel kind of had a formula of. Marvel had a formula of like these team up movies, even going dating back to the first X Men. Right, multiple heroes coming together, like. Logan showed that you could have a standalone anti-hero type story and we can involve it in a bigger universe, right? Because it's part of that X-Men universe, even though the continuity doesn't really line up. And that's that's my biggest gripe with the X-Men Yeah, we had universe. literally barely any X-Men in that universe. And then that's, in that's that the movie. whole point. It's a standalone. It's called Logan. It's not called X-Men. It's called Logan. But uh, I guess, I guess, go ahead, Max. I want to hear you. Uh, this is my opinion on, on this. It's, I think that there's different classes for movies that that we can have, and I don't think it's too hard. It really is too hard to group an Avengers movie with a standalone super. Like we're comparing Spider Man to to the Avengers. That's a very very hard thing to they're do. Comic book movies. It, they're comic book movies, but what I'm saying is there's tears within the comic book movies. I I, I think that's like great. if we're gonna compare, I I think that we can compare Justice League. To Avengers, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying that they're the same. Movie. I'm saying like, like those like in Avengers terms of team movies, up movies, big, yeah, those yeah. bigger movies that set up all. So all you're 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 classifying. Okay, you're essentially saying that team up movies like the Avengers, Justice League, even the X Men should be in a different discussion than when we're talking about the Dark Knight or Spider Man One, Two. I think both. Avengers Infinity War is a better way to put that in the team-up movies rather than the regular Avengers. I do agree with you on that. 
I think the regular Avengers movie could be not necessarily in that. Why not category. just group them all together? Why not just group them all together? I don't know. I I just I think it's it it, it sometimes takes it like I, like a movie like uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier, one of my favorite of all time. And yeah, I think I it's say, one of the I'd best. Say, super- I would say uh, I'm gonna name off some movies. I would take over Logan. I love Logan, but I would take uh, Spider Man one and two mm-hmm. over Logan. No. What? Okay. No, okay. I there's agree. only one movie in the history of cinema I'm taking over Logan I'll, when it comes to comic book. In the history. Movies. Oh, okay, I was gonna say, uh, and, and that is Dark Knight. That's Joker. crazy. Joker. I would take Logan over Joker. I love. Are Joker. we counting? Hold up. Hold up. Now we're getting into a really niche. Yes, this, this is the weird. We're talking about comic book movies. Joker, a comic book movie. Th- this is why yes. I'm saying it's, it's so a hard to categorize. Comic book character. It is, but is Joker a comic book movie or is it about a dude who has freaking insane? It's a take on a comic. It's society a take on the is absolutely throwing him to the to the wolves. Are you trying to tell me Joker is not a comic book movie? I don't know that I count it as a comic book movie just because wow. it's based on a comic book cooked. IP. We are wow. cooked. Oh. We are cooked. Jared cooked. It's, it's the movie's called Joker. Y'all are cooked. I'm cooking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I'm, I'm gonna name it off. Uh, I got to do this because I think Logan's a very good movie, but The Dark Knight. You can't even. It's not even the same breath as The Dark Knight, in my opinion. But I would also take, like I said, first two Spider-Man movies. Uh, <laughs> Iron Man One is better than no, Logan. no, no. Yes! Yes! Oh my god. Yes. No. How is it not better? Tony oh. Stark built it in a cave with a box of scraps. It's iconic, Jay. It is way more iconic than Logan. That's not even a debate. That's not even a debate. Iconic doesn't mean better. I would this, argue it's better this is well. where it gets so murky. It gets so murky comparing all right, to all right. X-Men First Class. Over Logan? Yes. X-Men Bro, First Logan Class. is the best X-Men movie. I would say, honestly, I think First Class is the best one. No, and and not, after all that, it's not even first class. I still think it's Days of Future Past. You could you could make an argument. You can make an argument, and then I would take uh, Avengers one, uh, Infinity War, and then Infinity War. I'll, I'll probably get, I love Infinity War. I think it's the best Marvel movie for the MCU 100%. by far. Civil War, Civil War is a great movie too, but I don't think it's better than Logan. Ooh, we're gassing up Logan. <laughs> Again, Winter Soldier could be up there. It, uh, I know I'm, I'm on my island here. Re- re- real quick, I love Winter Soldier too. Also, by the way, Winter Soldier, fantastic movie. Real quick, while we're talking about team up movies, let's transition before we have to end this show. The greatest team up movie of all time. We we have some team ups <laughs> potentially happening here. We're gonna talk Sony verse for a little. Um, I just want to say I think Sony verse started off pretty decently with um the Venom series. I thought Venom One was a very watchable movie um you know it's pretty good cast um you know if if we're technically talking beginning of the sony verse i guess it actually would have been spider-man homecoming um even though that's technically part of the mcu um but venom i thought was decent i thought they did a good job of incorporating venom in the mcu in a weird way with that post-credit scene after venom 2 i will say this now looking at the Sony verse, Venom suddenly looks like the Dark Knight compared to the rest of the, of the Sony verse. Oh um, my god! We didn't think it could get lower than Morbius, but here we are talking about Madam Web. Um, this is funny because this is a movie none of us have seen, but based on reviews, based on the press tour, based on Dakota Johnson's press tour alone, and based on Rotten Tomato score, people are saying this is a strong contender 
if not the runaway favorite for worst movie of all time and worst easily worst comic book movie of all time. What have you guys seen about this and what do you think? They they, they brought back the Morbius writers to make another movie. A movie Female nobody Morbius. asked for. <laughs> they showed the Spider-Man suits for like four minutes apparently. I, I've heard they, that. They said the I, yeah. plot was Sidney Sweeney and Dakota Johnson. And that's why you're going to show up because there, there, there's there, that's it. You know, we have these actresses that are going to be dressed up in Spider-Man suits. That's all people care about, even if it's for only four minutes. That's it. I heard, that's I heard literally the villain, all I did. I, I heard the villain is one of the worst villains ever. I heard the first twenty minutes is just nothing but spider lore. Um, oh, spider so, lore. Um, I got a guy, Jay. Yeah, I was going to say there is one clip going around Twitter of of the ambulance scene where it's so poorly cut that. Dakota Johnson goes in to save someone and it cuts to Dakota Johnson. So it looks like she's saving herself. <laughs> I just, I just got to wonder, honest to God, how does Batgirl get written off and that Coyote versus MC, AMC movie get written off? But this movie <laughs> is not a tax write off. I just, it blows my mind. Oh, man. How is it not a tax write off? Batgirl cannot be worse than this movie. Um, but I got to wonder. What does Sony do to the main leads of their comic book movies? Because Tom Hardy as Venom and Eddie Brock, I think, is terrible. I truly think he is terrible as Eddie Brock. Do you look at his acting in those movies? It is unbelievably bad. I, I This might be a hot take for me, but I think he's genuinely awful as Eddie Brock. And does this even remind you of Eddie Brock at all? Like, at all. Homer Grace was a better Eddie Brock. I, I I don't think it's Tom Hardy. I think it's it, the writing. It's, it's, the writing. it's them trying to make him a hero, well, but so, he's so, not. And this is another problem: the Craven the Hunter with Aaron Taylor Johnson. That uh, that was uh, awful. That, it, was that awful. trailer dropped, and the first thing people said is, "These are characters in the comics who are actually really dark. They kill for fun, and we're making them into antiheroes." They did it with Venom, and and Venom you can get away with the antihero storyline, fine, whatever. Uh, but the Eddie Brock in Spider-Man Three was literally in a church praying on the death of Tobey Maguire. Okay, so that, that's but, Eddie Brock to me. Like that, that's, yeah, that's, he asked God to kill Spider-Man. <laughs> to kill, kill Peter Parker. Ops. He's like, I want to kill, kill Peter Parker. You know, like that's a next level hater. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, like these guys are like killing for fun, and we're making them into antiheroes. Fine, you did it with Venom. You can get away with it. Fine, whatever. Uh, but then you you go like this. Craven the Hunter. I want to see Craven the Hunter just go. Like ape mode, maybe Venom fights him. I don't know. Like I, I don't need to see a Craven the Hunter that is a antihero. And in this movie, apparently one of the worst villains of all time. I heard it was so bad that they actually dubbed some of the lines. Um, you know, uh, do we really need to see Madam Web on TV or on a, on the big screen? No, probably not. Um, like why is he, why are they making a movie about Madam Web, a character nobody cares about? Like nobody cares about, and you're gonna do it without Spider Man. There's no Spider-Man. And even if you want to do without Spider-Man, we're, you're doing it with barely any of the Spider-Women getting any shine. Mm-hmm. They're literally, it's like her main superpower is is basically just driving and kidding people with her with her ambulance. It's, <laughs> it's I, The guys who wrote Morbius, Sony saw these that guy's script and were like, we need you for Madden. They Spider-Man. also did Power Rangers. That yeah. bad Power Rangers movie. That's Man. Cool. All time heater. Uh, what what I will also what I also want to add to this is just 
I don't even know. Like those suits, I would rather watch Spider-Man Lotus, a fan film, than that movie. Because the web slinging looked great. But but (laughs) besides that, the suit looked better than the suits in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. Imagine this being your run of movies. Madam Web, Morbius, Dracula Untold, Gods of Egypt, Power Rangers, and The Last Witch Hunter. The hmm. last witch hunter. Flop after flop. I remember Gods of Egypt had a lot of hype. It had a big budget. Flop. You weren't in on Dracula Untold? Dude, I don't even remember that movie coming out, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a 6.2 on IMDb. That's pretty run of the mill, I feel like. Yeah. I, I, I just, just go ahead. <laughs> uh, Sony should just focus on video games and televisions. Yeah, and... they've knocked video games out of the park. Yeah. I mean, they've also had the Across the Spider Verse films. You know, those True. are really good films. They've somehow animation. Technically, you know, MCU Spider Man, Sony. If you want to look at them, like I don't know, it, they've been missing a lot. But you technically have to say, well, with Tom Holland Spider Man and the Miles Morales films, are I'm hits. just saying, anyone but you, Sony movie, and nailed it in the box office. They, they swing and miss, but sometimes they have their hits. Sometimes they have their triple doubles. They're Shows good. that they can use Sydney Sweeney in a good way, I guess. Um, any final thoughts on anything we talked about today? Um, you know, I'll, I'll end on this note. Excited for Fantastic Four. Um, I think the MCU is finally moving back into that direction of us to get hype. We will see with Deadpool. But I'm excited. I'm, I love this cast, and I love Pedro. The The movies have been good. Great or awful. Honestly, it's been great or awful. Guardians 3 was great. Mm-hmm. Marvel's awful. You, you, Secret Invasion, awful. Loki Season 2, fantastic. So it's hit or miss. That's the bottom line with the MCU right now. So there have been good things. It's not that the MCU is a zombie that they have to bring back to life. There have been good things that have been coming in Phase 4 and Phase 5. I love Moon Knight. I love a lot of these characters that they have created wandavision was fantastic when it first came out did they have a lackluster ending yeah but i'm super excited about deadpool wolverine i think it's going to test really well it's definitely going to bring marvel back to that one billion dollar mark it's just going to do that i love that they're going the tva angle i really want tom hiddleston to have a cameo in this movie i would absolutely love that i just cannot wait to see what the mcu has in store for now, these smaller projects, and then not smaller necessarily, but just like one project at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I think Kevin Feige, this is your time to shine, man. This is you—you you ran the ship so well for so long. It's been a little bumpy so far. Uh, who would have thought that you know Deadpool could be the thing that saves the MCU? It's a lofty shoulders to to you know save the MCU, but I think it could. I think it could. So Marvel we'll, Jesus. We'll he, he says it, yeah. They, they've already broken the fourth wall in the trailer, and I'm really excited for that. Hey, listen, uh, Max, I just realized I never told you to introduce yourself, guys. Max is a friend from college, and I have a feeling we'll be bringing him on more Marvel-related episodes. Uh, Bring him on Star Wars, too. I can talk any yeah. day. I'm down, big, I'm down. I'm down. I'm always balls deep in, in cinema. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and he's been following the pod since day one. I love him. Uh, Max, thanks for joining us today and filling in for Brandon, who should be back next week. Hey, we're going to talk Dune. Uh, me and Steve got some early tickets uh, for the early fan premiere, and we're so excited for that. So uh, be sure to join us next week for that. Uh, other than that, I'm Jay. That's Steve. That's Max. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank Appreciate you. It.